Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another episode of Land Sharks After Dark. A podcast about the old Miss Rebels. I, of course, am your host, Justin Sanders. Uh, joined today by no one for the first time, actually, because uh, my co-host John Stefanzik is traveling the world. Uh, I think he's in sunny Australia right now. I assume it's sunny. It is, it is Australia. Uh, I know he's listening to this and, and thinking he could, wishing he could give us his weekly update on the snow in Boston. But uh, sadly, I'll be doing it alone tonight. So. Bear with me. Uh, this is my first time recording alone, so hopefully we'll have some fun. It might be a little shorter than a usual episode. Um, we'll see. I got some more news for you, though. Uh, the fact that I'm by myself tonight is not the only change uh, from our normal format. So I'll go ahead and get into that now. I, I want to tell you that I'm recording tonight uh, in the Rebel Sports Radio studio, sponsored by Blue Cross and Blue Shield in Mississippi. Uh, and if you're asking yourself why that's where I'm recording, uh, it's because Landsharks After Dark has joined Rebel Sports Radio, uh, something we're really excited about. Um, happy to be listen, reaching some new listeners. Excuse me um, for anyone listening out there on Rebel Sports Radio. Glad to have you. Hopefully you uh, won't get too tired of our particular brand of Ole Miss fandom. Uh, I want to tell you to follow Rebel Sports Radio on Twitter at Rebel Sport Radio. Uh, you can download the Rebel Sports Radio app in the iTunes store. It's on Android. It's a really great app. There's a new version out. Uh, really makes it easy to get your favorite Ole Miss podcast delivered directly to your phone every day. It's a great app. Check that out. Uh, really happy to be with you on Rebel Sports Radio. Um, and, and since we last talked, a lot has happened in the world of Ole Miss athletics uh, and just Ole Miss in general. Of course, last time we talked, Ole Miss was preparing for its first round NCAA tournament game against Brigham Young, uh, a matchup that we were definitely pretty worried about here on the podcast, uh, but one that proved to be pretty favorable uh, as Ole Miss defeated BYU 94-90 to in that first round game. Uh, really an incredible second half comeback to propel them to that win. Um, and then turned around a couple days later and took kind of a really tough loss uh, to six-seed Xavier, who, who really kind of outplayed a, a tired old Miss team in, in just about every facet of the game. But uh, we'll get into that and, and, and touch on a little season recap again, look ahead a little bit to next season. Um, a little bit later on in the podcast, we're also going to be talking about a big series win from Ole Miss over the number one team in the country, University of Florida, in Oxford this weekend. Uh the Rebels took the Friday night game and the first game of the Saturday doubleheader to, to clinch that series. Um, yeah, it was a huge weekend for Ole Miss baseball. The biggest series win of the season, no doubt about that. Um, and evens up their SEC record at 3-3, three and three, overall record at 13-10. and 10. So another big storyline to follow there. And then perhaps the biggest news of the entire week uh, wasn't necessarily directly related to athletics, but I think once we get into talking about it, and if you haven't already realized, you'll see that this news does have a very real impact on the entire university and you know Ole Miss athletics, and that is that 
the IHL, the Mississippi College Board that oversees the public universities in Mississippi, uh, decided not to renew the contract of Chancellor Dan Jones, who, of course, has uh, been at Ole Miss, I believe, six years. I think that's right. And uh, just done some incredible work for the university. Um, basically improved every metric that you can measure a university's success by. And just overall, um, a great leader and, and someone that's done great things for, for Ole Miss. So obviously that's a story that is very troubling if you are an Ole Miss supporter or alumnus uh, such as myself. Um, just something that uh, should really worry you. Or just in Mississippi and in general that you know doesn't think that state government should be meddling and uh and firing successful administrators from universities but we'll get into that at the end of the show um we're gonna start out with basketball and then baseball we'll get into that but uh as i mentioned before old miss's season did end on thursday with a, a tough loss to xavier um really just took advantage of old miss's emotional and physical fatigue after the big come from behind win against win against byu um, let's talk about that right now before we get into Xavier. Uh, Ole Miss came out against BYU looking really flat, did not make many shots in the first half. They weren't playing great defense. Uh, the thing about BYU, I kind of compared them after the game to uh, Auburn as your college football comparison there, which they, they, they play really flashy, um, impressive offense. Uh, they, they knock down lots of long threes, but they don't play too much defense. And it was really working for them in the first half. They... They ended up building up a 17-point lead right before halftime, although with two minutes left in the half, I think it was only like a six- or seven-point lead. So really, they just made some shots at the very end there to make it look like a, a lot more of a blowout than it really was. Um, Ole Miss looked dejected going into halftime. It looked like the game was probably over. Um, you know, it's really hard to come back from a 17-point deficit in basketball, especially to an NCAA tournament team and a team as hot as BYU was. Um, but obviously, the team showed a lot of resolve. They went into the locker room. Made some defensive adjustments. I think Andy Kennedy said that they uh, changed the way they were dealing with screens up at the top of the key, which led to a lot more contested three-point shots. Um, Martavius Newby really got his defensive game going. Um, of course, he followed Miss basketball. You know, he basically is the the focal point of the Ole Miss defense. He's an elite defender uh, with really active hands who can really body up on, on the other team's best players. So any kind of defensive effort is going to start with him, and I think that's what Andy Kennedy told him at halftime. Um, and Ole Miss came out and just started getting stops. And I think BYU had uh, 10 turnovers, at least in the second half. They ended up maybe 15, something like that overall. So I don't have the numbers in front of me. But um, a lot of fortunate BYU turnovers. And then, of course, um, their shooting kind of cooled off a little bit in the second half. And their lack of defense just really allowed Ole Miss to kind of hammer it down low. MJ Rett had an incredible game, scored 20 points. Um, just tons of dunks and alley-oops, uh, some really good guard play to facilitate that. Uh, Jarvis and, um, and Stefan Moody were, were really penetrating to kind of collapse the defense and then kicking down low or outside, and uh, it was really working well. Ole Miss was able to mount a, a big comeback, and they scored 62 points in the second half, which is pretty incredible. Kind of reminded me, um, a little bit different obviously, but it kind of reminded me of when Ole Miss went on the road and beat Arkansas a game with a whole lot of offense and not much defense. Um, but it's really exciting. It's certainly uh, a game that a lot of people were watching since it was one of the first four games. There weren't any other uh, tournament games on at that time. And really got a lot of good exposure for Ole Miss. Kind of dominated Sports Center uh, on the on the first day of the tournament. 
Um, so definitely a big win, big win for the program. Kind of r- removed any doubt or argument anyone could have about this season as far as actually making the NCAA tournament and getting that tournament berth. Um, Ole Miss goes on, as I've mentioned a couple times, to, to face Xavier, the sixth seed, uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, that game was a much different story. Xavier pretty much controlled it from the very beginning. Their, their offense was run through uh, their, their very large center uh, by the name of Stainbrook. And that's not just large, tall, is what you think when you hear a basketball player. This is a guy with mass. This, Stainbrook basically occupies half of the lane by himself. And basically, they were just passing it down low to him, and he was either going up with his left hand and pushing past, you know, whatever um, skinny, lanky player we put down there, whether it be Dwight Colby, Sebastian Saez, etc., and going up with his left hand, or he was feeding it back outside for an open three-point shot after he collapsed the lane. So, really great game from Stanbrook. Um, good game overall from Xavier. I thought their coach did a great job, and they clearly were very prepared and well-rested, um, something that Ole Miss didn't have the benefit of uh, since they did end up in that play-in game. Uh, but, you know, that's 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 how the uh, NCAA tournament goes. There, there aren't any bad teams. I think as I'm recording this on Monday night, uh, Xavier is still alive in the tournament. Um, so, obviously, we'll have to see what happens there. Um, not, not at all a, a bad loss. You really just have to be happy to make the tournament at all when you start your season the way Ole Miss started it um, with a, a loss to Charleston Southern um, and then later on in the non-conference, you know, a loss to TCU and a loss to uh, Western Kentucky. I think I'm remembering that right. Um, you know, there, there really wasn't a team we thought had any potential to go to the tournament. Uh, and, and Andy Kennedy did a good job coaching. And, and really the, the seniors and the older guys in the team, I think, kind of came together to create a good nucleus and, and really just said, you know, I if you're a transfer like MJ Red or Terrence Smith, you know, I didn't come here to make the NIT. And for the guys like Jarvis Summers and Snoop White that have been there the whole time, they're, they're not saying, I don't want to go out like that. So uh, you really got to give it up for the team. Um, and yeah, I give it up for Andy Kennedy for doing just enough to, to make it off the bubble despite the tough loss in the SEC tournament in South Carolina. But overall, um, a good finish for Ole Miss. Move in the next year with a decent amount of momentum. Um, I have my questions, obviously, still. Of course, we're leaving the point guard spot open for Malik Newman, who would absolutely change the program. If Malik Newman was assigned with Ole Miss, I'm obviously not saying that he would or uh, that he's going to. But if he was to, uh, basically you become the second or third favorite in the SEC behind Kentucky next year. Because you you got to think of what you have coming back. You have uh, Stephon Moody playing shooting guard, Malik Newman handling the point, hopefully. You know, he's a shooting guard in high school. I won't get into this because if you're an Ole Miss fan, uh, listens to podcasts like this, I'm sure you've heard other Ole Miss sports personalities talking about how Malik Newman um, is going to want to transfer more into a, a point guard role in college to prepare for the NBA since that's basically where his size is going to dictate he plays in the next level. Uh, and then down low you have Dwight Colby, Sebastian Saez, a little Anthony Perez. Um, you got Newby back on defense. Uh, you really need like another another power forward transfer. Marcamus Hyman, who's a freshman this year, has a lot of potential. He was highly recruited, obviously. Um, have some other high school players that'll be coming in. Terrence Davis, um, perhaps JT Escobar, who I think was a, a sign in place for Ole Miss last year. Um, I think I've heard that he might be the backup plan for Malik Newman. Although, um, really, uh, as I was saying earlier, I, my doubts about uh, about next year start with that point guard position because if it's not Malik Newman, 
it's going to be someone with with basically no Division One experience. And, and obviously, Malik Newman has no Division One experience, but he's projected to be an innocent impact guy who wouldn't swim too much. But definitely going to be interesting to follow that storyline. I think his signing period starts mid-April and runs through May, so you know we could have several more months before we even know where Malik Newman's going. Uh, a little interesting development in that today, uh, Mississippi State. Uh, well, this has all happened since we last talked, so I should probably bring you up to speed in case you haven't been paying attention. Uh, Alabama fired Anthony Grant, their head basketball coach, and Mississippi State fired Rick Ray, their head basketball coach. Uh, Alabama's yet to make a hire, but today Mississippi State hired um, a former UCLA coach who's actually been to uh, three Final Fours. Um, so really good hire. Um, sorry, when you type in MSU basketball, it, it's uh, Michigan State, which I guess makes sense, but it's, it's, it's very difficult. I don't know how Mississippi State fans find the time to, to type out their entire name every time, every time they want to Twitter something, but you know, that's a struggle that I don't have to worry about. <laughs> uh, ben Howland, sorry, his name escaped me for a second, but uh, he's, he's a very achieved head coach uh, at the Division One level, been out of coaching for a year or two. Um, looking to get back into it, takes a Mississippi State job. He's he's definitely got um, a tough task on his hands. You know, uh, Ray was there for three years, did an okay job recruiting. Uh, it it kind of sucks for Ray because you have to think this was the year that he was going to have the best shot to really get his guys in in year four and really have a team that he was able to build up himself from the very beginning. But He's not going to get that opportunity. Um, Scott Strickland, Mississippi State AD, um, obviously wasn't willing to give him another year. I can't say that I disagree with the move, although, you know, from from my perspective and not my team, so obviously I, I don't see it through the same glasses that I see in Ole Miss narrative. But from my perspective, you know, you've had the guy for three years. You may as well give him a fourth to see if it pays off. But you can't you can't um, be mad at them when when Ray posted a record like he did, uh, never had a winning conference record or anything like that, and and didn't really make any kind of postseason appearances. So Mississippi State moves on. Um, it's it's something to follow with the Malik Newman storyline, as I was mentioning, uh, for a couple of reasons. For one, uh, Howland is an Adidas guy um, from his time at UCLA, and obviously Mississippi State is an Adidas school. And the 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 word on the street is that having a big name hire like Howland. Uh, gives State the opportunity to recruit the upper-tier um, Adidas-affiliated players. I won't get into how all of that works, the brand affiliation for high school kids and all that, because, I mean, obviously I'm not too familiar with it, but it all has to do with AAU and sponsorships and things like that. Uh, but I've been told that this could have a big impact on Malik Newman. Also, uh, Howland has put multiple NBA stars uh, into into the league. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. Played for him, uh, Kevin Love, a couple other big names I reading about earlier. So uh, another interesting development in Newman's recruitment. Um, rumor has it that his guardian would prefer him to stay close to home, perhaps LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, something like that. Um, I think his dad went to Mississippi State and played there, Horatio Webster, if I'm not mistaken there. So there's a lot of moving pieces of that recruitment. Um, the good news for all Miss fans, Newman was watching the, the BYU game I was talking about earlier. Um, he was tweeting throughout the game, kind of cheering Ole Miss on, being very supportive. Even when Ole Miss was down by a lot, he was tweeting about basketball is a game of runs. All he needs one run for a comeback. And then when it happened, he was like, see, I told you. So uh, Ole Miss is very much still a player for Newman services. Uh, 
really you have to be thinking Andy Kennedy right now is is looking at Newman as his make or break piece for next year. You know, it could be the difference in opening the arena with a twelve and six, thirteen and five conference record versus you know uh, more like a nine and nine, eight and ten record. But we'll see. You know, it's really impossible to predict what the SEC is going to be like year to year in basketball. Besides, uh, Kentucky is going to be really good. <laughs> Um, and I think there's going to be some other movement in, in other directions too. Auburn's definitely trending upward with Bruce Pearl. Um, Mississippi State, as I mentioned, I think will be dangerous soon. Uh, interested to see what happens to a couple other schools, uh, Tennessee. Um, interesting to see what Missouri does. Uh, if they're going to keep Kim Anderson on for another year after just an abysmal uh, season this year. I'm guessing they are because we haven't heard anything about it. So uh, they might be basement dollars again next season, but. That's basically how it turned out for Ole Miss. March Madness is ongoing, but uh, it's baseball season. I don't know why you'd be watching March Madness as an Ole Miss fan if you're already out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I like basketball. I love college basketball. I'll definitely watch the Elite Eight and the Final Four, but uh, usually when Ole Miss ends their season in something, I have to take a break for at least a couple of weeks. So that's what I'm doing with that. Uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to talk to you guys about a little something different. And that's one of our great sponsors here on Rebel Sports Radio, DraftKings.com. We're really pumped to have them as a partner with vSporto, uh, the Rebel Sports Radio parent network. Uh, you you might have heard about DraftKings. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with it or not, but I'm pretty sure you've heard about fantasy football or basketball or baseball. Uh, you probably play fantasy um, at least every fall with some of your friends. Uh, but whether you like playing any of those sports, even fantasy golf maybe, uh, DraftKings has a one-day league for you. Um, they let you get in for as little as $1 a day. There's no season-long commitments. It's not like a traditional fantasy league where you're locked in with the same players. Um, it's day-to-day, new games every day. Uh, you should give it a shot. It's a lot of fun. Um, you can check them out at DraftKings.com. Use our promo code, VSPORTO, the letter V, and then SPORT and the letter O, all one word. And you can get a 100% match deposit bonus up to $600. That's a great deal right there. I mean, if you're going to be getting in on this action, why would you not want to double the money you put up front, you know? So uh, DraftKings is going to dish out a billion dollars in prizes this year. Uh, and you could you could get in on that. I doubt they'll give you the whole billion, but I bet there's a good piece of that that, that you could really claim for yourself. So check them out, DraftKings.com. Give it a shot. Uh, start playing and start winning, guys. Um, I'll do it. Let's, let's do it together. I'll play you. So like I mentioned earlier in the show, um, pretty big week uh, for the, the, the young Ole Miss baseball team. And I do mean that young, uh, a group with a ton of freshmen in the lineup right now. Uh, you got the top two hitters in the lineup, Kyle Watson and Will Golson, both true freshmen. Uh, Tate, Blackman, Tate Blackman excuse me, hit in the five hole a lot this weekend. Had a pretty big weekend and week for the Rebels. Um, another freshman. And then there are other various freshmen sprinkled throughout. Will Stokes is becoming a fairly important piece of that bullpen. Uh, another freshman. Um, Joe Waynehouse played some this weekend. Another freshman. So this is a young team. Um, not the best overall record, as I mentioned earlier, 13-10. and 10. But if you look at that record, uh, played some really tough opponents. I, I think Ole Miss is 7-7 seven and seven against top 10 RPI teams, something like that. Maybe top 10 rankings. Sorry if I'm botching that stat. Uh, all I know is right now Ole Miss has number one strength of schedule in the country, and from everything I've read, it's likely to stay that way uh, throughout the season. Just a very quality non-conference slate booked. Uh, I think partially uh, unintentionally. I mean, Ole Miss had this home-and-home with UCF, started 
started for the first season last season and UCF got swept in Oxford. I don't think that they looked too intimidating. You turn around this year and, and UCF brings back all nine stars returns. One of the one of the best teams in their conference and, and just an overall really good team nationally. Um, a couple of things like that and Ole Miss ends up with a really tough non-conference schedule. Um, of course, a couple weeks ago, 1-1 at Louisville, 1-1 in Baton Rouge, but still you know, couldn't really break through, couldn't get the series win in Baton Rouge. You really would have liked to see with Trent and Bramlett on the mound. Um, but this season, in, or this series, excuse me, in Oxford was kind of the blueprint for how this Mike Bianco team is going to be able to win series in the SEC, uh, even perhaps against the league's best teams. Uh, and that is Christian Trent, Pitching six or seven solid innings on Friday night. Follow him up with ideally one solid closer, like a, a Scott Weathersby or a Wyatt Short to save your arms. Um, and then on Saturdays, you need Brady Bramlett to go six or seven as well. Uh, and then use a couple more bullpen guys and just really get those first two wins of the series. Uh, right now, Ole Miss's Sunday pitching is, is basically a disaster. Obviously, something can get figured out down the road with that. Give it a couple of weeks, a couple months. Uh, maybe some some more solid options will emerge to really start on Sunday. But as it is, it's kind of a Johnny Holstat situation most Sundays. Um, but, you know, Trent and Bramlett are truly uh, great SEC pitchers. Um, of course, Trent got his first career loss last weekend in Baton Rouge, a tough decision. Um, followed it up with a, a great win against Florida. I think the first game was 4-1 to one was the final score. Um, really exciting game. Uh Lots of good defense from Ole Miss, good hitting. Uh, I should mention that, that Sykes Orvis had just a stellar weekend, despite the fact that, oddly enough, he was suspended from all of Game 3 and I think six innings of Game 1, or Game 2, excuse me, uh, from a, a kind of strange call. I'm going to ask you listeners out there, uh, if anyone knows where there's a video of what happened between Sykes Orvis and the umpire, I would love to see that because I still i have seen nothing I was watching on Saturday, kind of, you know, half paying attention. I don't know if they even showed it on the broadcast, but apparently what happened was um, Tate Blackman was moving from first to second base. Sykes Orvis was moving from second to third base. Blackman slid into second, uh, by all accounts, a clean play. Um, the Florida second baseman um, took, a, took a front to Blackman's slide, kind of got in his face a little bit, maybe started a little bit of a tiff. Um, Orvis, from everything I've heard, I don't know, obviously, I don't know, the sources on this took maybe two or three steps off of third base towards second base where this fracas was underway and uh, was immediately tossed from the game um, by the, the third plate umpire, third base umpire. So, um, strange, very strange. Uh, and since um, he was, apparently since he was ejected for um, an altercation with an umpire. He was suspended for the following game as well. Not really something that I'd ever seen before. Um, and like I said, I didn't even see it, but heard about um, in the last few seasons watching Ole Miss and, and something that definitely hurt Ole Miss, uh, but could have hurt Ole Miss a lot more. Um, in the first inning of that second game where he was ejected, Orvis had already jacked a three-run homer to give Ole Miss the lead. That really helped, of course. He was very hot on the weekend, um, had a couple doubles, I believe. Uh, if you look at his SEC numbers, he's killing it. Um, Mike Bianco had a had a tweet where he, he took the SID, Kuffner, and uh, he, he tweeted Sykes' stats, and, and Mike 
and added on to the tweet. Yeah, Andy missed a game and a half too, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, definitely check those out. I think he's got maybe three home runs, SEC play, three doubles, something like that. I don't want to misquote the stats, but they're really good, which is great news for Ole Miss. Sykes Orvis has to get really, really hot moving into moving through SEC play if Ole Miss is going to be dangerous offensively at all. Um, as I mentioned, the, the youth in the order are looking really good offensively. Will Golson has taken over from Colby Bortles at third base. Um, Golson is, as of right now, the everyday third baseman. Obviously, that's something that we were talking about in the show for the last few weeks. Um, just Bortles' kind of offensive lack of of any kind of presence at the plate, uh, and really he wasn't that he wasn't playing that well defensively either. So you have to hope pulling him out of the starting lineup, putting him in more of a reserve role, can maybe help Colby get his head right and kind of reassess his approach at the plate. Uh, but for now, Golson's doing a great job, and Kyle Watson, as I mentioned, is is a pretty stellar. Uh, left fielder considering that he was actually a third baseman in high school and was recruited as an infielder so no complaints about the freshmen at this point um still waiting on those freshman slumps to come along but uh you know we'll take them in stride when they get here you gotta love freshmen making an impact on your team um looking ahead to the schedule a little bit i know Ole Miss is going on the road to Fayetteville this weekend to take on Arkansas I think that's going to be another tough uh tough series but uh, as I mentioned um you know, if you can if you can get wins out of Trent and Bramlett, that's really the, the most you can ask for out of this pitching rotation right now. Um, also, there's a doubleheader tomorrow against UAB in Oxford, um, the Mighty Blazers. That should be interesting. You know, I'm interested to see who all is going to pitch tomorrow. Obviously, you have Evan Anderson, uh, your midweek starter you've seen in a lot of games. He's looked okay. You know, he hasn't looked that crisp. Um, he doesn't look like he's taken too much of a step from last year when he was also, you know, just pretty okay. He was fine. Um, but with the two games tomorrow, I'm interested to see who's going to get the second start. Um, I don't know. Ole Miss Baseball tweeted a picture for the games tomorrow with the picture of Scott Weathersby. I don't know if that. I don't know if that's supposed to mean something, um, or if that's just they just chose a pitcher. Um, and then if you got some other some other names, Stokes got the start. I believe on. He got the start on Saturday in that doubleheader game three. I'm not positive. Um, he played in Baton Rouge too, I know. Uh, and you got a couple other couple other names. Uh, I feel like every time I think I've heard all the names in the Ole Miss bullpen, uh, we'll get in some weird situation, either down by 10 or up by five, and Mike will pull somebody that I've absolutely never heard of before. So that's always a fun game to say, you know, spot the names you haven't seen before. But uh, watch for that. I think the first pitch tomorrow is at... Uh, or if you're listening to this, probably today at 11 Central Tuesday and second game somewhere around 2. Obviously, that's going to be on WatchESPN.com if you can't make it to the ballpark. Um, Ole Miss Baseball was tweeting, hashtag take the day off. I like that tactic. Um, <laughs> it's, that's fun. It's good stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's Ole Miss Baseball. As I said, 13-10, and 3-3 and in the SEC uh, unranked by all major polls for another week, but you have to think if the Rebels found a way to uh, take care of business in the midweek and, and win a road series at Arkansas, they could probably climb back into the top 25. As I mentioned, um, I want to say they're number four or number three right now in Warren Nolan's baseball RPI um, and number one in strength of schedule, as I mentioned. So... You know, there's a lot of potential, a lot of time left to make up ground. Obviously, having that number one strength of schedule helps Ole Miss uh, down the stretch. Um, perhaps 
with that type of schedule, you could roll a 15 and 15 in the SEC and still sneak into one of those last host spots. I'm not really sure. All I know for sure is that uh, that kind of stuff becomes a lot clearer as the end of the season comes around. So give it a couple of months before we take RPI too seriously. Um, but for now, it's just a fun reminder that even at 13 and 10, Ole Miss is still pretty good against the best teams in the country. Um, but yeah, that's what it is. We'll take one more short break, and then we're going to talk about the outrageous decision by the IHL to terminate Dan Jones. I want to start out by talking about the official website of the IHL. It stands for the Institute of Higher Learning, I believe. And as I mentioned, they oversee the public university system of Mississippi. Um, so basically, you know, throughout this weekend, while I'm trying to grapple with this news and figure out what exactly it means um, of Dan Jones's contract not being renewed, I- I'm looking at their website. And listen to this. There's the new commissioner has been a commissioner about six weeks. They haven't even had time to take the old guy's name off the website yet. So this guy is the commissioner. He's not even listed as a commissioner on their website, but he found time to fire a wildly successful chancellor of the state's most successful university at this point. It's just mind-boggling. I mean, not to take anything away from other public schools in Mississippi, but none of them have experienced growth anything close to what Ole Miss has in the last uh, five or ten years. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote some stats from this great um, editorial written by Sam Hall of the Clarion Ledger. Uh, came out on, on Sunday... Um, it was followed up with a really good op-ed by former Chancellor Robert Kayat. Both absolutely worth reading. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jones, or, sorry, um, Sam Wall has some great stats. Uh, fall enrollment, highest in school history. High school GPA for freshmen, highest um, in school history at 3.49. I thought that was pretty good, honestly. Average ACT score, 24.3. I know that's considerably up from when I attended Ole Miss. Uh, I, I want to say the average line roll was closer to a 21-22. So that's really good news for, uh, for Ole Miss and their academic reputation. Um, Chronicle of, the Chronicle of Higher Education ranked Ole Miss as the 13th fastest-growing public doctoral institution uh, thanks to a 43.1% increase over the past 10 years. Uh, also ranked as a top fundraiser and is having the largest endowment among doctoral institutions. Uh, under Jones, the school's endowment has grown by 50% approximately from $400 million to $600 million. And uh, donations from alumni have just been through the roof lately. Uh, the last three years, topping a million, $100 million a year um, in, in capital campaign giving uh, to the academic side of the university. So really, I don't know where you look at those numbers, where you look at Dan Jones' tenure and say, yeah, we don't want to renew that guy. You know, when I first heard uh, the news, my first thought was, oh my God, you know, his cancer is worse than he made it out to be. Um, It kind of felt a little bit like Alan Nunley's situation from a couple of months ago where, you know, you hear about the illness and then all of a sudden it's a lot worse than you thought. And then, you know, so I was, I was, I felt terrible. Um, I was like, wow, Dr. Jones, you know, a great rebel, done great things for our university, taking us to new levels. Um, and I was really just sad for him. Um, and then, you know, Dr. Jones released his own statement, countered back, said, this has nothing to do with my health. Um, I, I'm back for chemotherapy. I'm back in the office. I'm working full days. Uh, this is a purely political move. Uh, and that was when I started to get angry. And, and I got to be honest, um, I've been pretty angry about this. I, I think it's pretty ridiculous 
that a board of political appointees, uh, some of who are associated with Ole Miss, but many of who are associated with other public schools in Mississippi or you know, not any institutions at all in Mississippi, um, are allowed to make decisions like this. People that aren't elected are allowed to just unilaterally decide to do something that is clearly going to negatively affect a public institution of the stature of Ole Miss. Um, it's just mind-boggling. I mean, it's this is this is. I was telling a friend yesterday, maybe the the most depressing and uh, stereotypical example of good old boy corruption I've seen at work uh, in Mississippi in my lifetime. And it's not very long. You know, I, I'm almost 24 years old. Obviously, I haven't seen the true depth of misery that can be Mississippi politics. But this is just awful. You know, this is this is to 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 fire a man who has done nothing but wildly succeeded his job the week after he returns to work from chemotherapy is just one of the most disgusting things I can imagine. And, and add into that the fact that as an Ole Miss graduate and an Ole Miss fan, um, you're, you're threatening to replace, you know, one of the best chancellors in school history with who knows, you know, uh, you know, if you, if, if you are to believe the IHL made this decision because they, they feared the lack of control they had over Jones, you have to think their next election is going to be a total sock puppet, uh, someone that wouldn't fight back. But, um, you know, there is a little bit element of wait and see if this if this whole process is to go through and Dan Jones is terminated uh, and ends his tenure in September. You know, they could make a good hire. They could make us feel better in that situation. But at the end of the day, it's completely unfair and ridiculous. Uh, to punish Jan Jones for, for being good at his job, basically. Um, I'll tie this back in a little bit to Ole Miss Sports now. Of course, Chancellor Jones did hire um, Athletic Director Ross Bjork. Uh, Chancellor Jones and Ross Bjork together hired uh, head coach Hugh Freeze. Um, they've both spoken publicly beforehand and since his termination about how much they love working with Dan Jones. Um how you know he brought them to Oxford, and they'll they'll they're always grateful for that. Um, and, and this isn't something that Ole Miss fans should just blow off. I mean, we can't forget that not too long ago at all, just a matter of weeks ago, uh, Ross Bjork was turning down, you know, overtures from his his former employer, University of Missouri, when they were looking for athletic director. I mean, Ross Bjork is the youngest D one athletic director in the country, I believe, and certainly um, one of the most accomplished for his age. Uh, I mean, we're going to have schools banging down his door for years to come if we're lucky enough to keep him that long. And uh, something like getting rid of Dan Jones, a leader that has worked with him and he can trust and who he believes in, uh, that's not good. And that's not good for, for trying to retain Coach Freeze either. Um, this is a man who they believe in, as I mentioned, and they support you know what he's done for the university. They support his vision. They all work together. Uh it's just it's just very upsetting as an Ole Miss supporter. Um, it's something that obviously we're hoping isn't yet set in stone. There's a lot of groundswell movement going on right now. There's a petition on change.org. You should definitely get on and sign that if you haven't already. Um, some physical protests going on on campus in Oxford, and then I know also at IHL meetings here in Jackson. Um, some big names have come out against the decision. Um, Jim Barksdale, arguably Ole Miss's most successful alumnus uh, of all time, perhaps, and also the, the largest donor uh, to Ole Miss, given uh, around $30 million at least 
uh, in the last 15 years has come out and said that the decision is just ridiculous. He's not sure he'll be able to support Ole Miss financially moving forward. I mean, this is the man that built the Honors College. You know, this this is this is the guy that Ole Miss owes so much to. And um, for for Phil Bryant and the the state government and the IHL to make a decision like this and piss off um, someone so influential uh, and cause him to publicly make these comments once again, something we really need to be worried about is Ole Miss supporters. Uh, the Gertrude Ford Foundation, who of course built the Ford Center on campus, beautiful complex. Uh, they do great stuff all over Mississippi. They work with a lot of different universities. Um, they had already agreed to build a $20 million science research facility at Ole Miss. They came out today and said they will not be donating that money if the decision to fire Chancellor Jones stands. Um, Archie Manning came out today and said that it was ridiculous. They didn't agree with it at all. As I mentioned, Robert Kayat wrote an op-ed in the Clarion Ledger um, discussing the decision and, and how he couldn't believe it had happened. Just just all around, basically, I've, the vast majority of, of Ole Miss alumni and supporters, things like that, have kind of rallied around Jones and against the decision made by the state at this point. Um, of course, there are some that are happy to see Dan Jones go. Um, I'll touch on it a little bit here, although, of course... By the way, guys, um, this is a great intro to our new audiences, huh? Just, just stepping around all the hot buttons right from the beginning. But we'll go ahead and talk a little bit about the mascot. Obviously, Colonel Reb was removed as the Ole Miss mascot before Dan Jones ever became the chancellor of Ole Miss. Confederate flag was well before that. Um, but Dan Jones has not been, you know, afraid to publicly voice uh, I, his progressive kind of ideas. Um, he's supported LGBT rights and community at Ole Miss. I think he was instrumental in uh, bringing Pride Week to campus. Um, back in my freshman year, he uh, he ordered the band to stop playing a transitional part of uh, From Dixie with Love, uh, which prompted students to chant The South Will Rise Again. It was a pretty big controversy at the time. Um I'm sure I'm forgetting some other stuff, but oh, oh, of course, um, a big one was a few months ago um, when he came out and said that, you know, the academic side of the university is going to refer to itself as the University of Mississippi, while athletics will still be branded as Old Miss. Obviously, that rubbed a lot of the, the old guard um, a little bit of a wrong way. But as I mentioned at the top of the segment, I mean, does any of that really undermine the incredible, measurable things he's achieved at Ole Miss. I mean, I think enrollment's up uh, 50% from 2008, something like that, something like um, 13,000 to 19,000. I'm rounding here. But just this crazy large um, enrollment numbers, um, attracting students from all over the country, attracting great faculty, um, and just really helping Ole Miss's reputation. That's, that's, that's what Chancellor Jones has done during his tenure. Um, it's a sad day in Mississippi, uh, but the fight's not over yet. We're going to, we're going to keep following this for you. We'll come back and and talk a lot more about it. I'm sure. Um, I'm not sure how much longer John's going to be out of the country, but maybe, uh, I can get another guest on next week. Um, and and if they don't want to talk sports, maybe they'll talk Dan Jones to me or something. But, um, I promise any of you first time listeners, this is a sports podcast. This is, Actually, the first time we've ever talked about a social issue, but I think if you're an Ole Miss fan, um, this is something that you need to be talking about. This is something that 
you know, really has a major impact on your university. Um, so we're going to talk about it. But that, that's that's going to do it for us tonight on Land Sharks After Dark. Um, thank you so much for listening. Welcome to all of our new listeners. Uh, glad, glad you're here. Hope you liked it. If you didn't, this is not what it's like at all, I promise. My co-host, John, is um, an expert in all the facets of Ole Miss sports, on which I am not. Um, hopefully he'll be back on here with us soon and, and we can talk some more. But uh, basketball season's over. Good season. Baseball season continues. Spring football, not much storyline-wise so far, but uh, hopefully in the coming weeks a little bit more will come out. Practices have been closed. Um, no media availabilities really yet. Uh, Grove Bowl's coming up April 4th. Um, and that's pretty much it, man. Baseball continues and uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep tracking that for you um thanks for listening follow rebel sports radio at rebel sport radio on twitter follow us uh at sharks aftr dark we got a website uh landsharksafterdark.com uh one of our contributors table cobbleson has a, a really funny um bracket up on the website where he kind of pitted the things he hates most against the sec against each other um, and, and I think it's it's pretty good. It's really funny stuff. So check that out, LandsharksAfterDark.com. Um, and if you're offended by it, sorry. <laughs> Table is, is not one of either John or I, and therefore we do not take responsibility for what he says. But uh, we thank him for doing that. And we thank you for listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Download the RoboSports Radio app. Listen next time. It's been great, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.